the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So, Mike, uh, I'm going to let you start this episode off with a segment you prepared for the fans today. Uh, why don't you hit us with uh, what you got for me? Yeah, that's right. It's me, Mike. Hey. Uh, for doing the intro. <laughs> I know. Weird, right? So, I was listening to Cat Stevens, okay. uh, and he he has a new slash old album out. Okay. A lot, a lot of people doing that right now. A lot of uh, old is the new new. Uh, a lot of like mm-hmm. old is the table new. reads on YouTube through Zoom <laughs> and whatnot, which is great. So why were you listening to Cat? Now, I'm not familiar with the name Cat Stevens. I'm, I'm familiar with a guitar player by the name of Yusef. Uh, what's his name? Islam? Islam? Yeah, Yusef yeah. Islam. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, brief history on Cat Stevens. He, he was always kind of a spiritual guy. He converted to Islam in, uh, in mm-hmm. the late 70s, dropped out of music for like 30 years, uh, came back. Uh, and is now recording as Yusuf slash Cat Stevens uh, to, you know, confuse everyone. <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, so he decided to record T for the Tillerman, the seminal album from 1970 for the 50th anniversary this year. Wow. And he just released it recently. And, you know, obviously, as a Cat Stevens fan, uh, I wanted to listen and see how it sounded. And of course, I wanted to listen to Father and Son. Sure. Uh, and uh, it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful, Neil. It's a fantastic song, a very sad song. Of course, it's at the very end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's what most people would know him for, would either be Father and Son or Wild World, I guess, would be his two big hits. And then and I, those are both on T for the Tillerman, so there you go. Yeah, like that's probably the album everybody knows, too. It's like what we talk about with Jack Johnson in Between Dreams. <laughs> Same thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely adore Father and Son. Uh, so what made you bring up Cat Stevens today, though? Like, was it just, just you wanted to share this uh, music find with, with the fans? I wanted to share this music find, uh, and I also wanted to talk about how it was pretty cool because he actually sang to himself as older Cat Stevens, as the father, he sang to the son, uh, and, which was, he uses his original oh recording. So it kind I of was that. cool. You know, you, you heard like very old, you know, he's probably like 75 or so now talking yeah. to the 25 year old uh, him, which was uh, really cool. And this is on Spotify? This is on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, you I'm check checking out. that out. That yes. sounds amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful recording. And it got me thinking. What other father and son songs are there? Well, of course, there's father and son by Flight of the Concords comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And the, the of course, duo. Uh, <laughs> and there's of course uh, the legendary Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin. Mm-hmm. Which, very uh, sad song that one. Very sad song. And um, uh, you know, and then I started thinking, you know, I, I always you know, go back and watch The Office, and then of yeah, just simultaneously that episode came up where uh, Jim, you know, can't go back home to see his daughter. Because uh, he's mm-hmm. working all day, and so Dwight's just trying to piss him off, and so he's like, ding, 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 the cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon. spoon. Little boy, and then Andy joins in. On the moon. <laughs> when you're coming <laughs> home, Dad, yeah. I don't know when. So when are you coming home, Neil? Ah, uh, Mike, I'm never coming home. Mm. <laughs> I'm coming home to the place where I belong. Do you think Daughtry was singing about a father <laughs> yeah, and son yeah, there, too? Is that father and son? <laughs> Those are the only three father and son, father and son songs I know about. Hmm, if there are any more. I think I think that this is a good time to pause and reflect and think forward about our future, Mike. In 50 years, we should ha- we should re-record over these podcasts as 76-year-old men. I I, I, w- I would love I would love to uh to re-record uh these these shows uh and uh, and and then talk to our younger selves as well, but uh probably going to need some big pauses there. Yeah, some really long pauses because I'm slow now. So like I can't imagine how slow 76-year-old Neil's going to be. It's going to be rough. That's future Neil's problem. Future Neil's problem. Hey, Future <laughs> Neil, what's up? All right. <laughs> That's the extent of that. So, Mike, you saw Tenet over the weekend. We want to talk about that real quick before we get into this juicy episode. Mm-hmm. Cat Stevens did not do the uh, soundtrack to it, but uh, hmm. I did see I did see Tenet. Okay. I, I saw it a few weeks ago, so it's not as fresh in my mind. But if you're listening to this uh, podcast in 50 years in the future, Neil and Mike, uh, just to remind you, uh, <laughs> Tenet was a 2020 action thriller directed by Christopher Nolan. Remember, he made the Batman movies. Uh, he made the Batman movies good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it came out uh, during the COVID pandemic. Uh, it was delayed three times because of the pandemic. Mike, what were your thoughts of the movie? 
Uh, I don't really know what I watched. Uh, I, hmm. I definitely need to watch it again, which is, I think, a brilliant mood on, a move on uh, Chris uh, Nolan's part, forcing people basically to need to watch the movie again in the pandemic so that they can recoup funds. Yeah, that was absolutely what my response was. I saw it with my girlfriend a few weeks ago, and uh, right after it ended, I said, I'm going to need to watch that six or seven <laughs> more times before I have a verdict. Yeah, I, I have no idea what was going on half the time. And the times when you think you, you know what's going on, you, again, have no idea. No, and I think people go and see Christopher Nolan movies in a way to feel smarter because, like, they, they <laughs> just speak about science and time travel and, sorry, inversion. They talk about that stuff like it's just, like, everyone just understands everything right away, which always bothered yeah. me because <laughs> the, the watchers pretend like they do, but they don't. This movie would be up there in terms of like Interstellar and Inception, which I think in those two movies are better than uh, Tenet, in my opinion. Or at least yeah. I preferred them more. Um, this movie uh, featured Robert Pattinson, who plays Neil, which I appreciated. Yeah, it was great to see you on uh, on the big screen, Neil. Oh, uh, I'm looking real good on screen. Looking real good. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was good to see your debut. And also, weird to see Robert Pattinson uh, like just talk normal. Talk you know, British, like, yeah. Yeah, because like that's you know, like, but like you think he never is like uses his british accent when he when he acts no i mean i only really know him from uh harry potter and twilight uh he'll be in uh in batman i suppose if that movie not, ever not gets using his british accent i'm assuming <laughs> i'm assuming not that'd be very strange maybe it would be funny if batman was british and then alfred was american <laughs> i love I, I want christopher or i want um uh christian bale to use his welsh accent as batman oh that would have been awesome and then he had to do the growl too with it but yeah, no, it was a it was a complicated movie to understand for sure, but uh, I mean, it was fun to watch for sure. It was fun to watch, and, and Neil, I'm assuming you rate this low on your Christopher Nolan best of list. I think so. Yeah, like in terms, I haven't seen them all. Like I've seen all the Batman films. Um, I would probably rank this below Interstellar. Uh, yeah, I liked Interstellar. Like this might be the lowest rated mm -hmm. Nolan film. Um, and your highest would be Dark Knight. My highest would be Dark Knight without a, without a shadow of a doubt. What would your highest Nolan film be? See, I got to disagree, and I got to say Prestige. The Prestige. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting that that's a Nolan film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's with Batman and Wolverine. So. And Wolverine. That's one of the things <laughs> that I can't not unsee whenever I watch that movie is that, like, these these... These two um, magicians in the 1800s are both so jacked. jacked. They're unbelievably <laughs> jacked. Where were they getting their protein from? Like, what was their workout plan in the 1800s? Yeah, that's the one thing I always like. Uh, I I always see that too because that's that's peak. Uh, so that was uh, filmed in between Batman Begins and Dark Knight for uh, for Christian Bale, and then that would have been uh, when was that? Maybe X3 for 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 Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman didn't start getting, like, really jacked until he started to do his solo films. Yeah. Like, uh, The Wolverine and um, The Days and of Future's Past and stuff. <laughs> and then, the, yeah, The Wolverine. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. But, yeah, no, that, like, in the X-Men 1, 2, and 3, he was big, but he wasn't... I don't think he was taking the level of steroids yet that he took to get in shape for... Like, the X-Men reboot in, like, 2009. Yeah. That, like, the first class. That's when he really started to get in good shape. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is the GameCube is Cool podcast. We go live every Thursday morning. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Last week, we covered wrestling, UFC, and Godzilla game, the one game, on the GameCube. <laughs> this week's episode is all about Ratchet and Clank. I mean, Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> one of them. They're all, that's close. You got Dude, it. when I was a kid, I got these three franchises mixed up all the damn time. I still get I them mixed up. <laughs> I think so. I think I don't think you're alone because well, Ratchet and Clank has come back. Crash Bandicoot has come back. Banjo Kazooie has not come back. Unfortunately, that's the one of these three that I actually would like to see come back, <laughs> which sucks. But yeah, mm. as a kid, I was an N64 owner. I knew what Banjo was. I didn't know what Ratchet and Clank was, and I didn't know what Crash Bandicoot was, other than at friends' houses. And I thought all three were from the same franchise. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like especially as a kid, that's pretty easy to make that mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was I was a dumb kid. If it wasn't Mario, it was just everything else. They're also all like like syllab syllabically. I don't know how to say that. I don't know what that word would be. I'm like, not gonna try. Like <laughs> the syllables are are the same. It's like Crash Bandicoot, Banjo Kazooie, uh, uh, Ratchet, and, uh, Ratchet Clank. and Clank. It's all kind of like Cooper. Yeah. yeah, it's like the same kind of. I mean, clearly marketing people like you know did this on purpose mm -hmm. to say like okay, how many syllables can we say for a kid to like uh, grasp? I guess it's like what's the longest it can be. Yeah, and it's got to sound edgy. It's got to be an animal that maybe they don't some know. some K's in there. Get some K's and some J's and, like, some double O's and, like, Kazooie, Bandicoot. Yeah. Cooper and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Clank. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, we're covering Crash Bandicoot this week because Crash Bandicoot 4 comes out on October 2nd, which is the day after this podcast goes live. That's right. Yeah. Nailed it. That's why we're doing yeah. it. It's almost like we timed it, like a lot of our other episodes. Almost like we timed the launch of Crash Bandicoot 4, which, not to confuse you, is the 22nd Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> Crash, well, Crash 22 doesn't have as much of a ring as Crash 4. Not as much of a hit, no. But it's definitely going to confuse people when Crash Bandicoot 4 comes out um, almost 25 years after the first one. Yeah, because the one of the games that we will be talking about very soon, Wrath of Cortex, is the fourth installment in the series. Yep. So, and, uh, yeah. so does that game just not exist anymore? Is that just gone? No, Mike, and we're going to find out why that game does not exist anymore very soon. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick uh, detour from the GameCube was cool and go to the PlayStation 1 was kind of okay. We're going to talk about the first three Crash Bandicoot games as well as, of course, Crash Team Racing. We have a guest joining us. Mike, why don't you introduce our guest to the show? Yeah, we have Jess all the way from London, Ontario joining us today. Jess, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm excited to do this. Cool. (laughs) We're excited to have you on. Thanks. Uh, so I guess just to start it off, uh, Jess, what are your first memories of just Crash Bandicoot the series? Okay, if I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I my first memories <laughs> were of me being really super angry at my brother for getting that game <laughs> because I wanted like some other, like a girly game. I, I can't remember now which one it was, but anyway, regardless, I actually like wanted to despise the game um that was my first memory (laughs) i feel that a lot of people have that that memory where like in terms not necessarily for crash but just for games in general where like they have an older sibling in the house or another sibling who buys something and you know you all have to share the one console yeah exactly me as a only child i never i never (laughs) got that but neil having having uh siblings Mm -hmm. uh, neil can you can you attest to that i can i mean i had an n64 as a kid so it was a non-issue in terms of crash bandicoot uh (laughs) i was always mad at uh friends that had a ps1 because you couldn't play mario kart 64 which was great but i have an older an older brother who was more of the n64 fan so i would usually have to fight him for the controller when we played goldeneye or perfect dark (laughs) and things like that but eventually he aged out of video games and now it's all mine so i can (laughs) can play these games uninterrupted so i win (laughs) the moral of the story is that just keep playing and you win yeah just don't give up don't give up on your dreams So in terms of the games that you played for PS1, do you remember the names of the games? Yeah. Um, so, well, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I'm pretty sure, like, Crash Bash. Mm-hmm. Was that not one? Yeah, Crash Bash. Exi- yeah, that was for that was for PS1, yeah. right, Neil? Yep, yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah, there was, like, that ice game. I remember being, like, mm-hmm. on the ice, and then, like, you, right? And then there was, like, those icicle things at the sides. And, like, if you knocked one out, you'd, like, fall off into, I don't know, the abyss. Yeah. Um, right? <laughs> that I loved that game. I loved the game where um, the only way I can remember it is, like, the hopscotch game. You were also in a, like, in a rectangle with your opponents, and then you were, like, mm-hmm. jumping from, like, one block to the okay. other. The ice level is that the polar push. That's yes! That's yes! About. That's nice. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then also Crash Team uh, Racing, I want to yes, say. Yes. That's, yeah. that, that, that's the good one. That's a yes. Good one. <laughs> that was so fun. I, yeah. That's, that's a great one. I think that game is like uh, a lot of people have really good memories of that game because it at the time it was really the only alternative to Mario Kart. Like that's those were the only two kind of racing games out. Yeah, there was there was Mario Kart 64. There was Diddy Kong Racing, which is oh, yeah, one Diddy of my Kong Racing, I guess. that one I actually prefer to the three. And then there was Crash Team Racing, which was the PlayStation One's answer to Mario Kart, which a lot of people say nowadays is better than Mario Kart 64. That's kind of like the revisionist history, I suppose, that Crash Team Racing is the superior 90s kart racer. I don't know if I agree with that. Jess, did you did you play lots of Crash Team Racing back in the day, or like what did you have a Mario Kart to compare it to? Okay, well, no, I didn't, so okay. I'm a bit, uh, okay, so, but I, no, we loved that game, like, mm-hmm. we played it all the time, even, like, the songs, like, the background music in that game was so catchy, mm-hmm. and it just, like, got you in a mood, like, you know what I mean, like, you turn it on, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for this, like, let's yeah. go. <laughs> Super high energy, like, it's got that jungle theme to yes. it. I, I, I played the Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, which just came out in 2019, I guess it was, and... I played it on Switch and it was I was addicted to it for like a solid month just trying to get all the collectibles trying to beat the high scores like I don't know how you like play some of those levels in just like 19 seconds it's insane here we go 
They're, they're great songs. They're actually Definitely. like really well done. <laughs> I just wanted to play that. <laughs> I was getting like Pirates of the Caribbean vibes there. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they crashed did a really good job with like their whole brand and their whole like, uh, it was, everything was very cohesive. It felt very like a singular vision when mm-hmm. it came to like games like that. And for the time, like a racing game, usually like in 2000, a racing game was something that you would just like throw away. So it was kind of cool to see like, Crash Team Racing be such a good game. Yeah, so, and Crash Bash was kind of like the answer, I guess, to Mario Party, because that was more of just like a mm. mini game collection, right? Yes, that's right. Well, yeah, Crash Bash was like the Mario Party kind of like, it was a party game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those games are really fun. They're they're also very addicting, Yeah. As, as I'm sure you know, no, Jess. No, they were so good. Yeah. And, and Jess, did you play any of the single player games back in the day? Because there was also Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3 on the PS1, or were you just the racing and the party game? You know what? I want to say I definitely played Crash Team Racing the most. And then the I guess like how you guys kind of described it as like the party games, like we loved those, like my siblings and I. Yeah. And it was like a after school ritual of like, yeah, playing. So I don't, I don't know. I want to say I maybe. That's fine. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have not either. Oh wow. Okay, so I probably didn't either. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're among friends. Okay, right? sweet. <laughs> yeah, no, we were in that age group then too, in the '90s, where it was like the party games, the racing games were just more accessible for us. Right. Like I didn't play Super Mario '64, which is like the Crash Bandicoot one version of Mario. I didn't play that until I was a teenager, just because the racing game was easier to pick up and play as a kid. The party games were quick, just bite-sized mm-hmm. mini games. So. I think that a lot of kids, like in 96, 97, which is when Crash Bandicoot came out, I think that that, those party games were more appealing to us just because we were just learning how to play video games and they were great, um, kind of like a gateway drug into franchises. Um, I think you you have to remember too that like there weren't a lot of uh, like fun kind of family-ish like games for the the PS1. You know, Nintendo kind of had that market cornered. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there were very few games that were like, I guess, kid-friendly uh and and party games like four four person games so crash bash would have been one of the few for playstation that that was really accessible no absolutely and that was actually the first one the crash bash game that was when the franchise started to go into the territory of sort of being farmed out to different developers whereas the first three crash bandicoot games and crash team racing were all made by naughty dog which uh gamers nowadays know naughty dog for uh, uncharted and the last of us Mm mm-hmm well, Jess, is there anything else you want to talk about for Crash before we let you go? Um, honestly, now I just really want to play. I'm not going to lie, you guys. And, like, <laughs> I want the real deal PlayStation 1. Like, is uh, do you guys have the console? Not PS1, no. I don't have a PS1, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't. I feel like you can't even, like, it would be like you'd have to, like, go on Kijiji or something to find it. Right. Right? Like, yep. you can't just... eBay and Kijiji. Ugh, dang it. Okay. <laughs> If you're looking to play Crash Bash, you're definitely going to have to find a console on eBay because they remade the first three Crash Bandicoot games and Crash Team Racing for Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. But if you're looking to play Crash Bash, yeah, you're going to have to buy a PS1 and a disc and a memory card. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You're no, but like, that's what I mean, Neil. I want like the real thing. Like, I don't want the (laughs) Switch version. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. No, no. Oh, no. It's, I, you're fine. I, just just wants authenticity. I got it. I got it. No, I still have my GameCube hooked up to a tube TV in my bit. You're also going to need that tube TV because PlayStation ones don't look, they don't look good on a flat screen. I'm just trying to give you all the hints no. before you get discouraged. Shopping spree right now. Uh, eBay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, just mess- message your siblings. See, let's go. Let's let's do another round I know, right now. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And you can finally buy that girly game that you were looking for back in the 90s that you never got to play. <laughs> I really, I really want to know what that one was. You guys, I feel like it was like, was Mary Kate Nashley on, or was that GameCube? That might have been yeah, GameCube. Yeah, Mary Kate Nashley was on. Yeah, GameCube. okay, so it wasn't that. It must have been something else, or like just like not Crash because my brother wanted it, and I just, you know what I mean? I didn't want it because he wanted it. it. Must have been just something random. There was Mary Kate and Ashley Mis- oh. Magical Mystery Mall on PS4. See, so it must have been that, Neil. It was. It had to have okay. been that. Yeah, I wanted it. My brother didn't. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it got 4.5 uh, 4.7 out of 5 stars. That's not, That's that not bad. bad. 94% love this video game according to Google users. <laughs> I mean, we have to remember the demographic playing that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, just look look for uh look for a copy of that coming in the mail for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks uh, for your sponsors of this. <laughs> um, we can get, we can get Mary Kate Ashley on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have connections. 
Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Jess. This was awesome. Yeah. And uh, we hope uh, to talk to you soon. Cool. Yeah, thanks for bringing me down memory lane, guys. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye. What a nice young lady. Cool. Mm-hmm. That was great to have Jess on. Mm-hmm. And always good to have different perspectives of games. You know, obviously, Neil and I are, 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 are gamers to an extent, but it's always good to have... Um, people who are kind of outside the video game circle to to kind of come on and share their memories because that's what this podcast is about. It's the memories. It's the early 2000s. And that I, that also is like a part of gaming that a lot of people forget is that there are some folks out there that literally played maybe two or three games as kids and then completely gave up the hobby. And they have they probably have the fondest memories of video games because they only played with their cousins at specific events. They only played this one game over and over again. And th- their memories aren't clouded by people like us who just play game after game after game. And maybe your memories of certain games get clouded because of that. And I think as a kid, too, like your memories of, of, of some of these games are so concrete in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember playing CTR with, uh, I don't know if it was my cousins or like second cousins or someone in the family <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but, but i remember playing on their ps1 because i didn't have playstation and i remember playing this this kart game and i had played mario kart before and i didn't like it because as we know i hate the the 64 that's right so <laughs> i uh uh playing it uh playing ctr was really cool and i think like i honestly do agree that uh, even like not even doing a bit here, but I do agree that CTR is a better game. I think it handles better. I think the music is better. I think the 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 general experience and the branding of it is really nicely done uh, for that time. So I got to give kudos to and you know give credit to where credits due. Yeah, let me take off my rose tinted glasses here because I obviously I played uh, N64 uh, as a kid and that was my Mario Kart was my game. I play that almost every single day after kindergarten if my memory serves correctly. And so I played Crash Team Racing. I'm, I didn't play it with any friends when I was a kid because I hated the PlayStation 1. Uh, but I, I did pick up Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled on Switch when it came out last year. And like I said, I was absolutely infatuated with it. I think you're right. I think it is a better game just control wise and like it is very technical like drifting and getting boosts and and picking the right character for the right courses like if you make one mistake the race is over and almost none and almost none of the items can save you like the items are good but they're not nearly as cheap as mario kart with the blue shell and, and lightning bolts and stuff like that so yeah i think like like mario kart especially like 64 is like uh it's a frustrating game because you get like you get just screwed over every every turn. And obviously Mario, like today, is still just kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in, in Mario Kart, the thing is, like, if you're in eighth place on the first lap, you have a very good chance of still getting to first place before the end of the third. Yes. In Crash Team Racing, if you're playing on expert difficulty, like the hardest level, uh, and you get knocked back to fifth place in the first lap, you stand no chance of catching up. Like, no, yeah. almost no chance. Like, it's you have to be very good, a very good player to be good at Crash Team Racing. Which is one of the reasons I like it, and that's the reason that you and I love F-Zero. Exactly. Yeah, there's no there's no way to get around it. You have to be good at the game. It's, there's no shells or banana peels on the course. There aren't Crash Team Racing. There are uh, items, but they're and not They do a good balance. As, it's balanced. It is, it is very well balanced. And yeah, the music probably is better in Crash Team Racing, just objectively speaking. I prefer Mario Kart because of the nostalgia, so it's really hard for me to compare the two. But I can admit that Crash Team Racing on PS1 is is a better game in terms of just a kart racer. I, th- I think so. Double, d- Double Dash is a different story. But uh, if you're comparing PS1 to... N- of course. If you're comparing N64 to PS1, uh, yeah, I'd say the PlayStation 1 Crash Team Racing is better. Um, that's just our opinion, though, of course. Okay, so joining us now is Andy all the way from London, Ontario. Andy, how are you today? I am great today. How's it going? Good. Yeah, it's been good. We're excited to have you on. We're excited to talk about some Crash Bandicoot. And I take it Crash 3 is your favorite game, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Yeah, that was my go-to game growing up. Uh, I used to watch a friend play it a lot, and as soon as I could get my hands on his controller, I, I just fell in love with the game, I guess. So we talked earlier on the podcast that we actually never really played these games growing up because we were just Nintendo guys. Right. Yeah, it was exclusively PlayStation to begin with, wasn't it? That's right. 
Yeah, probably for the better. Like once it moved over to Nintendo and Xbox, it definitely got worse, which Mike and I are going to get to later on in the episode. We're just kind of starting off with a little bit of a PlayStation uh, corner, which we don't usually do. But for (laughs) Crash Bandicoot, it feels like it's been earned since it's such a well-loved franchise and one that I've gone back to with the remakes, like what you were saying, like how uh, Crash has been remade. It's on Switch, Xbox One, PS4, and that it's, it's kind of having like a like it's living again like it did in the 90s, which is awesome. I would personally love to see it happen with Manjo Kazooie, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. So, I've seen. I've, I, I, it's a game I've I've never played, but um, I have a cousin who is really into Banjo Kazooie, and he has a a four five year old son who he has started on the Banjo Kazooie games already. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's like everyone's story is that like, oh yeah, I had a cousin who played Banjo Kazooie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So you obviously, yeah, Warped is, is your favorite of the three. Uh, do you have memories of one and two? Um, yeah, so one and two I would have played first for sure um, at my my grandmother's brother. So my great uncle, um, he probably would have been the first person who introduced me to Crash. Um, he lived like four hours away from us, so we wouldn't see him very often. But when we went, he had a PlayStation and uh, I think that was his way of trying to bond with a seven-year-old. <laughs> then an aunt and uncle later had an xbox uh sorry a, a playstation and uh th- yeah they would all they also had the one and two and got me into it until uh one of the the kids at the childminder that i used to go to uh he was just a whiz on all things playstation uh <laughs> and he was the kind of guy that would play the games and let me watch him <laughs> mm, yeah um, but as soon as he would put it down i would try and get hold of the thing and crash was probably then one of the first games i really ever got into and just totally fell in love with it yeah it is it really does have that a bit of that magic to it because like we talked about earlier uh it's the brand for crash was so big in the 90s and and sony spent a lot of money to like market crash bandicoot and like even going to the extent that it was it was probably on par with mario and other like big pop culture icons at the time yeah and he he is still i think uh, the iconic character right um you say you like liken it to mario yeah everyone knows mario and it's just like the one name guy (laughs) yeah it's like crash Crash. everyone knows the one name guy it's (laughs) ronaldo everyone knows the one name guy (laughs) Yeah, I still associate Crash as being like the Sony uh, mascot for for their uh, for their brand. Like Crash is mm-hmm. PlayStation. I know Ratchet and Clank is probably more of like the PS2 generations. Sony was trying to make Sackboy a thing in the PS3 generation. Now mm-hmm. they kind of just have their whole arsenal of characters. Like they have Aloy from Horizon and Spider Man now, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I still think of Crash as being like yeah. the, the the game that is closely associated with Sony, even though he's not technically anymore with them. Well, the real uh, poster boy. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think he is. Yeah, yeah. He, he, if if, if so. you were to choose from someone, it, it would have to be Ooh. Crash. Yeah, like Mario's Nintendo, Sonic is Sega, Crash is Sony. Like, I don't know. That's yeah. just the way I think of it. So I'm just doing some just doing some reading now on Crash Bandicoot Warped. And uh, the production of Crash Bandicoot began in January of 98. And the game was released that year on October 31st, 98. So they were only given 10 months to... Uh, to complete the game and a budget the budget was only two million dollars which if you compare that to today like a sony first party exclusive game most of these games now are given three five sometimes ten years mil- tens of millions of dollars to develop it's just wild that they they gave such a short development time and such a yeah. <laughs> relatively speaking a small amount of money for a game like crash where at the time it was yeah a big name and this is the third game in the franchise and it ended up being the best one yeah no yeah, yeah. sometimes you when you're under pressure to get something done it ends up being even better yeah, exactly. And Andy, we can hear your uh, your PlayStation <laughs> in the background right now. Are, what are I you am, playing? I am playing Warped. I'm on uh, level <laughs> one. I am ramming that R2 button because I've got like 92% on this save game. So I've got the I've got all the superpowers. So I'm just trying to get the uh, trying to get the time trial um, to the best score possible. And I just did it in 43 seconds. And Ooh. I've got one there on the board that's 41. So I'm. I'm gunning to beat that 41 seconds right now. Yeah, we're and you're to... playing it on a working PS1 in the year 2020. Uh, this is a PS2 currently. So my PS1 is actually still back home in England. Um, but I did bring my PS2 nice. uh, across with me um, <laughs> with my games. So I'm actually working on uh, a, a British console, British um, disc, so, but on the Canadian uh, TV. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, that's so you could probably hear some click clacking of the joystick buttons on the ps2 controller um 
I, I only bought over the PS2 instead of the one because it was slimline version that I've got here. Um, so uh, it was just a, a space saver in the suitcase rather than anything. <laughs> but I obviously had to bring my own console um, mm-hmm. and my own games because otherwise the, the hybrid of the console and games wouldn't, wouldn't work out if I tried one British disc in a Canadian console. Of course, it doesn't work. So I had to bring... Actually, I brought the unit over separately because I bought my games and then forgot that. So the time I went back to England, I was like, I've got to bring back a PlayStation so I can play Crash. Like, do your parents understand that? Like, when you go home and you have to explain to them how discs don't work in certain places? That's not a thing with, like, CD players and VCRs. Like, you don't have to buy a Sony VCR to play Sony VHS tapes. It's such a gaming, like, specific thing, right? Uh, And DVDs as well. Yeah, and DVDs, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, when I when I went to put the disc in today for this uh, to play Crash while we're talking, um, I've got I, I I opened it up and Wild Wild West DVD was in there. <laughs> <laughs> also a blast from the past. There, I think right? that was my first DVD when I first got a PlayStation because that was the first DVD player I had was my PS2. So that that kind of wants me to bring me to an, another question here, and just the fact that. So everyone we've kind of had on the podcast so far is either from the U.S. or Canada, you know, and obviously the same kind of trends and stuff go on here. But I'm very interested in the U.K. What was it more? Did you find growing up it was more of a Nintendo area or like PlayStation in terms of where you grew up? Um, I think everyone I knew played PlayStation mm-hmm. um, other than Game Boy. Um, yeah. Game Boy was obviously the hot Nintendo uh, thing. Um, I, kn- I knew a couple of people that played N64. And I think N64 for me was always like, oh, there's this like legendary thing. <laughs> one day I'll play one. Yeah. I've never really played a lot of N64 myself. I was a big PlayStation fan. I had the PlayStation 1. I got the PS2 um, when, unfortunately, I, I uh, we got broken into my playstation 2 got stolen oh, no. um i replaced it with another ps2 instead of upgrading to the ps3 <laughs> um playstation was just always my thing i tried playing the xbox i didn't like the controllers as a kid um i tried playing uh the the dreamcast um mm. i we were never uh, i i never had a dreamcast that was never something that was even really crossed my mind to get i don't think but also yeah, you and everyone else <laughs> i didn't have uh, a lot of money as, as a kid so uh dreamcast was that higher price point because it was that first online console i believe that's right yeah so um playstation was just me through and through and i maybe it was just by association of, of you know who who i knew that also played games but yeah pretty much everyone i knew was was playstation is the answer to that question because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we had uh a couple episodes ago we had victor and gavin on uh, oh, uh friends, awesome. friends of the show and um they victor especially was talking about how in his mind the only game console was the 64 uh oh. for him and because it was just people he knew right that he's like well everyone had a 64 i go to mcdonald's they have a 64 <laughs> for me to play on Games consoles at McDonald's. Yes. So I wow. guess that wasn't a thing in the UK. No, that was not a thing in the UK. <laughs> no, at least not in my small town. <laughs> yeah. So so how it worked was it was these, I guess, small kind of these, I don't know how you would describe them, Neil, but they were just like, it almost looked like, like, like these gas station pumps of, like where uh, a screen would be and there would be controllers beside it. And it was usually two controllers per um, per system. And uh, I think Nintendo for a long time had exclusive rights to McDonald's oh. because it was only Nintendo consoles for a long time. And those consoles were greasy. They, the, the, the controllers were just so beat up. Uh, it was, <laughs> there was always a line to get to like Smash Bros because that's the, that's the only thing people wanted to play. <laughs> See, and that's, that's, you, you touched on this earlier, I think, um, in something you were mentioning about the games is the, the brand and the marketing aspect of it. And that is a fantastic marketing <laughs> uh, avenue, especially when the Happy Meals were marketed down our throats as kids yes. in the 90s. Like, uh, and you have, you've got PlayStation games in McDonald's. Yes, every kid's going to want to go there. Every kid's going to want that Happy Meal even more than they do in the UK because uh, I don't know why they wouldn't have done that in the UK. That sounds like an amazing idea. I'd have spent all my time at McDonald's. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I already spent all my time at McDonald's. Now it's just even more. <laughs> yeah. God, I remember the first time I was allowed up to get the bus to my little high street town. And, you know, like we would all be going to McDonald's anyway. We'd be 
<laughs> buying Pokemon cards and going yeah. to McDonald's. Those were the two yeah. things. And, well, maybe we'd have spent less on Pokemon cards mm. if we could have just spent more time in McDonald's playing your PlayStations or the N64s. or you know. Maybe. <laughs> sounds great. So going back back to Crash, uh, I guess I just want to touch more on Warped. So what what makes this game so special for you in comparison to the other games? Uh, in comparison to the one and two, I think it was... Uh... I mean, it, <laughs> of course, it's the graphics are better on this one than they were on the one and two. And it's not like I stuck around with it for graphics, because let's be honest, graphics yeah. are incredible compared to this game now. But uh, maybe it was just it was the first one that I fell in love with. Um, and so many different types of levels. Um, I obviously still hate the levels on the water because <laughs> who yep. likes those? They're the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah no one yeah yeah. why is that 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 every video game somehow the water levels are always the worst levels (laughs) i guess it's just the the, there's less oh it's ironically there's less fluidity maybe Mm. to the movement (laughs) yeah they were they were like fine in 2d games like with mario there was 2d there was the water levels which were fine they were a little bit floatier it's cool but then as soon as the transition happened to 3d water levels just went out the way they just they're just terrible most of the time they were even today like they're just bad for the most yeah, part except yeah. for we talk about sunshine being the best water level of all time yeah, but mario super sunshine, mario sunshine yeah. but uh, yeah with uh, i guess just that awkward phase of transitioning into water levels was not a good time in the in the 90s on ps1 and n64 and uh, one last question here too uh in terms of the other crash games have you played anything else other than the main trilogy? Uh, Crash Team Racing, CTR. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah, when I got uh, that game, I bought that on the same day I bought Spyro with uh, some of my Christmas money one year. And again, you know, th- those three games, I think, Crash Team Racing, Spyro 2, it was, and uh, and Crash 3. I wasted all my childhood <laughs> on those games. Um, and I was saying something to you before we went live, actually, uh, about the muscle memory for these games. It's just incredible how much in 2020 I can remember, uh, you know, just the little nuances to the little thumb push on the joystick just to get around this cop car that I'm doing now on the motorbike. <laughs> it's the, the muscle memory for all these games is incredible. I can't believe how <laughs> much I'm remembering you know, I don't sit there during the day at work and think, oh, yeah, that crash level. Um, <laughs> but now I'm looking at it, I'm like, I know this racetrack. Like, <laughs> Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, like a game 22 years later, and you're still able to just do it like it was like if it came out yesterday. So it must be weird to play like the, with the PlayStation, like DualShock from back in the day. Oh, man, it's always a nice little uh, always nice little nostalgia kick to get this game back out. I bought the remastered versions for the Xbox One. I, that's the reason I bought the Xbox One, was to buy <laughs> the same three games that I already had and played on the PS2. <laughs> it's okay. Neil bought the Xbox One to uh, play Rare Replay, so that's great. <laughs> and I sold my Xbox One, but I still have Rare Replay. <laughs> the last time I would have played this game on the PS2 would have been maybe two years ago um before i got the xbox one and wow. uh, it's it's insane see yeah I, I just fractionally took my finger off the the x button and the car hit me and oh, i'm gonna restart it <laughs> it's a sign of a good game good game design if you can do that like if like going back to old 2d platformers and like just old arcade games too people can go back to those and play them just like it was nothing went by like no time went by that's the sign of a really good game design so yeah well, well yeah like the controls and all the crash games like these games that like the original trilogy are very intuitive which obviously you see right now like by going back 22 years later like it's it, they're because they were made for, you know they were made for kids right and so it was made for a kid to just pick up and play Absolutely. And I think the, that's a good word, intuitive. Um, and that's probably why I stuck with PlayStation more than moving across to Xbox. Because when when Xbox came out, I had a lot of friends that did go for it. Um, I didn't find the keypad as intuitive as I do for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then N64, just a, a complete nightmare when it comes to a controller. Yeah. And maybe it's <laughs> that I had small hands as well. And so... Well, you... You didn't have three hands. Yeah, you didn't have three hands. That was that, that was your disadvantage. Was you didn't have the third hand that you needed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Andy, is there anything else you want to talk about for Crash before we let you go? Crash is awesome. Fair enough. Just leave it on there. Leave yeah. it on that. <laughs> Love it. All right, Andy. Thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate all your insight into this game and just UK gaming as well, yeah. which was uh, really insightful. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Really enjoyed it. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for coming by. Take care. See you later. 
What a nice young man. What a nice young man. It was great to have Andy on and just give us a lot of context of just outside of our bubble here because yeah. yeah it's uh that was some that was actually really interesting mm-hmm. yeah no it's true like yeah gaming in the uk is very different especially in the 90s like nintendo wasn't really a thing in the europe at all until yeah the wii i think playstation i think was yeah the first console that they really that really stuck with the uk and then other than that it's just been pc and then Xbox probably took out uh, took off after a while. I was in the UK last year, and I remember I went into like one of their EB Games or GameStops just to see what it was like to be in a different country. And half of it is PC stuff, which in Canada there's no PC stuff in no. EB Games. Yeah, like, you you might have a headset that works on PC. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, no, so. it's it's always uh, it's always cool to get uh, another perspective, which is what we did today. We have Andy on who gave us the his UK perspective on uh, growing up with these uh, the Crash trilogy. We got. Uh, Jess on, uh, who gave us a great perspective on the party games and the racing games for Crash. And um, speaking of Crash Team Racing, mm-hmm. do you think it's a good time to talk about these other racing games for the Nintendo GameCube? Uh, yeah, Mike, I think it's a perfect time to talk about some uh, Crash racing games and just a, and one Crash regular game, if that's all right mm-hmm. with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna fit one in there. No Godzilla game today, though, unfortunately. <laughs> no Mothra game. No Mothra game yet. So let's start with the first game, uh, Crash Bandicoot game on the Nintendo GameCube, which was Crash Bandicoot Wrath of Cortex, which was released on September 17th, 2002. The developer was Traveler's Tale on PS2 and Xbox, but the GameCube version was made by Eurocom. This game was published by Universal Interactive Studios, also on PS2 and Xbox. The ratings were in the 6s and 7s. If you wanted to pick it up today, you're looking at about $20. So yeah, this is when Crash Bandicoot started to take a hit in the 2000s, which was a bad time to jump into this franchise. But Eurocom, Neil. Eurocom. I know. Eurocom is so cool. Like, I, I did a bit of research on them. They're a British video game developer. They were in business from 1988 to 2012. They developed great games like GoldenEye on the Wii, which we've talked about. Also, mm-hmm. Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. Mm-hmm. Who can forget? They made, <laughs> forget. They made, who can forget? They made lots of movie games, and they also co-developed Nightfire. Yes. I, that's, I mean, that's the one that, that I was really excited about. And that's actually, you know what? That makes sense why GoldenEye on the Wii is good. <laughs> like, that actually does answer, finally answer that question, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they knew what they were. It's basically a Nightfire sequel. It is because you can use the GameCube on it. So yeah, it honestly is the closest thing we have to a Nightfire sequel. But yeah, Crash Bandicoot Wrath of Cortex uh, was the fourth Crash Bandicoot game. Um, I guess it, no, I guess it was like, would have been what, the fifth or sixth because of Crash Bash? It's the fourth, it's the fourth in the, in the, the series. Got it. So there's, yeah, so this is the fourth game in the Crash Bandicoot series, which is going to confuse the hell out of everyone because Crash Bandicoot 4 releases <laughs> on consoles everywhere on October 2nd, 2020. Oh this yeah, was, I guess we haven't even talked about why we're doing this episode. <laughs> no, I mean, that was also in my intro of the games, but we skipped it. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out. We'll edit that in later. Uh, yeah. So this is the first Crash game that's not a PlayStation exclusive. It showed up on Xbox and GameCube. Um, this game was criticized for recycling a ton of elements from the PS1 series. Um, it brings back all the old characters like Crash Bandicoot and Dr. Neo Cortex. And it also features Crash Bandicoot's younger sister. Um, what's her name? Coco Bandicoot. She mm. likes martial arts, wrestling, and NASCAR. And was she in the original trilogy? Yeah, she's in Crash Bandicoot okay. 2, I believe. Okay. Because I know yeah. she's in all the party and the, the racing games, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know. Again, that's also why I got mixed up with Banjo-Kazooie, because Banjo also has a younger sister. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah, it's... it's. But, uh, yeah, let's just talk about, I guess, the, the switching over from good Crash to bad Crash. Okay. So, obviously, in the, the 90s, like you, like you already said, Neil, we have some great games that come out. You know, after Naughty Dog kind of sold the rights over, we have eight, I count them, eight different developers who worked on these games in GameCube's lifespan. Wow. Uh, so that's, uh, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster right there. Well, yeah, eight devel- yeah, eight developers, but only three of those games ended up on GameCube, correct? Yes, yeah. yeah, but just eight different developers in general is just, yeah, like, that's terrible. Yeah, it shows that they, they really lost the vision, I think, for Crash. Like, they probably had to keep making games to, to maintain the, like, licensing and everything, which is usually when, yeah. when you see video games getting pumped out on an annual basis and the quality is going down or stays yeah. low, it usually has to do with licensing laws. Like, we saw that with Tony Hawk and Spider-Man and things like that. Um, so, yeah, Crash Bandicoot was in that sort of hell for a little while and then there were no crash bandicoot games pretty much like after the it's like 10 years yeah almost. like there was a few on wii i think and then after that oh yeah if you're right 10 years from like 2010 until about 2018 or 17 was when crash trilogy came out so but that, all... that's not a new game so no, yeah there it, hasn't been ten, a... it's still 10 years it's still yeah 10 years <laughs> up until october 2nd yeah you're yeah, right wow yeah. 
And mm. uh, also uh, three different publishers too, which is, you know, that's another just like, it's, it's such a mess. And, and it's funny how, how Spyro and Crash really are linked forever, you know, like, mm. cause uh, you know, Spyro has their trilogy in the nineties. Crash has their trilogy in the nineties. Uh, Spyro gets sold. Crash gets sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2001 and 2006 GameCube era. Uh, both these franchises have very low points. Uh, Spyro having a much lower point uh, with uh, Enter the Dragonfly. Mm-hmm. And the GameCube ports always seem to be much worse than the others for both Crash and Spyro. And maybe this had to do with all the different developers. Maybe due to PS uh, and Nintendo's frosty relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, like, like, this does bring back Spyro memories for me, and this is why people like me, Nintendo fans like me, when we finally got these PlayStation franchises on GameCube, it's like, what? If, what what's the hype? <laughs> like, it's so hard <laughs> yeah. to understand why people like it. It would have been better to have just released the Crash collection on GameCube, at least to get, get people involved like me, people who hadn't played Crash Bandicoot before, get us into the franchise before you come out with Wrath of Cortex and, and the other racing games that we're going to talk about. Like, yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have done that, especially, like, back then when it, it was much more difficult to you know play games there's no like there's no internet really there's no way like easy way to play these games you would think that if you bought the license the first thing you do is release the trilogy like and or just you know go full zelda and just release it on every Mm -hmm. console kind of thing yeah (laughs) on every iteration of your console yeah you're right the only way to play these games to catch up would have been just to play on a ps1 yeah Yeah. uh, with the disc and up until recently that was still the only way to do it i guess you could download them digitally but yeah i just said it's the only way (laughs) yeah yeah like crash bash which wasn't made by naughty dog which is probably why that's not included but i am glad that naughty dog sold or i guess gave up the rights to developing crash bandicoot because then it, it got them to make uh jack and daxter but i mean eventually we got we got the last of us out of it which i is one of my favorite video games of all time and we got spider-man out of insomniac selling right. spyro right so it, it's so funny how these two are like inevitably linked forever mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting that like the 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 3d platformer games of the 90s and 2000s those developers were kind of freed of the shackles of making these co- cookie cutout uh cr- mm-hmm. 3d platformer games and they ended up making these just insanely good playstation exclusives it almost makes me wish that nintendo would try that with their the developers that are stuck making mario and zelda like what if they gave them like you know let them go and make something else maybe we'd get another cool franchise because otherwise playstation would still be getting crash bandicoot games made by naughty dog today instead of last of us and uncharted that's a good point that's a really good point actually Mm -hmm. thank you also uh can i say that crash looks completely different in every game for the gamecube in the gamecube era like completely different his character model is so like it's so weird yeah in all three games i'm just looking at the cases now his eyebrows are different (laughs) they changed his eyebrow style and and this is this is you know how it's funny because i talked earlier obviously about how crash's brand was very strong in the 90s you know very unique look you knew exactly what you were getting into when you were playing a crash game that all goes away in these games you know you it's all very different like you said the fact that his eyebrows are are very different on the cases that's like imagine it like being nintendo right Mm -hmm. imagine mario's like uh eyes looking different uh like he had green eyes instead of blue eyes or something like like something that nintendo would never let happen and this is just again a poor uh, a poor brand recognition for for the publishers and developers it is and i don't know what like what sony was i don't know what like in a good in the best way possible i don't know what sony was thinking in the 90s <laughs> how much money that they put behind marketing crash bandicoot like they yeah. plastered him on everything to the point where he was up there in terms of brand recognition with mario above mario he was like up there yep. with mickey mouse i think like he was they did a really good job of marketing to everyone really mm-hmm. right and they wanted to get a like a foothold in nintendo's market yeah, and that, that type of video game marketing just doesn't... I guess it still does kind of exist to a point. Like, parents know what Minecraft is, but, like, no one knows who Joel from The Last of Us is, if, unless you play video games. Yeah. Like, I'm trying, to th- I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of new video game mascots that... Like, even Fortnite. Like, people know dancing. Like, the Fortnite there's, dancing. There's no, ma- there's no like, like specific mascot. Because that just doesn't right. work really anymore in this, in, this, in this kind of world, right? No, it doesn't. It's weird. But, yeah, like, back then, it was... Yeah, everybody knew Sonic. Everybody knew Mario. Everybody yeah. knew Crash. Um, and Crash was based on the Tasmanian Devil and Sonic, which definitely makes sense that does make sense yeah i figured he was based on the tasmanian devil and ty the tasmanian tiger is based on crash so here we yeah. go <laughs> it's very uh incestuous incestuous i guess with uh just everybody taking character models from each other and <laughs> uh, it's just weird 
So let's let's yeah, let's go into the actual games here. Let's go into Wrath of Cortex. Let's just talk about this for a second. Okay. Uh, this uh, surprisingly, this game actually does run well on GameCube. The PS2 version is known for its incredibly long load times. So if you ever watch gameplay uh, footage, it's almost always done on a GameCube, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think that the like the graphical capability or anything like that was the issue, unlike games like Spyro that we talked about. I think that the problem was just that the franchise was starting to feel tired and that they didn't really bring anything new to the table with, with Wrath of Cortex. I think that was mm-hmm. the issue. Uh, there are some good parts, too. Like, like again, for Wrath of Cortex, uh, there's uh, great voice actors. Uh, so part of the plot is that the, the it's like the, the four masks, the elementals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the voice actors for those four masks are... Mark Hamill. Oh, no way. Uh, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, Mark Hamill is one of the masks. Uh, the sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Nice. <laughs> and Biff from Back to the Future. Oh, dude, that's an all-star cast right there. All-star cast. I don't know who the fourth mask is. <laughs> oh. But those three out of four. Wow. That's pretty good. That's amazing. That's amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, like, they, they clearly wanted to pump some money into this game and uh, having this as a new franchise for, uh, for Universal at this point. So, yeah, like good on them from getting these great voice actors that's incredible i have no idea where they got i mean mark hamill is a very prolific video game voice actor at this point but the other two haven't like the the drill sergeant for full metal jacket and biff like i don't know what else they've done since their 80s films it's funny because he just talks the same way (laughs) (laughs) like the guy from biff obviously sounds different but the the full metal jacket sergeant just like the the full metal jacket sergeant's not an actor he's an actual i know that's the that's why he doesn't actually act he's just a drill sergeant yeah because uh stanley kubrick brought uh, him on as like a advisor mm-hmm. uh, when they, when they were casting uh, for Full Metal Jacket, and uh, he was kind of like showing the drill sergeants like how they should speak and like what they should do, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he was like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna just gonna get this guy. Yeah, just just <laughs> use use the use the model. Yeah, might as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, the water levels are atrociously bad in this game. Mm. Why do video games insist on having a water level? I I, I think it's what like. Is that? It, maybe it's easier for the developers to like for moving them around. I don't. I don't. Know. I, I, maybe it's just like having a bit of variety in the level. Like you have that floatiness to it. But yeah, like every three D, every two D and three D game has a water level, and nine yeah. times out of ten, it's bad. I don't know why they insist on doing it. Also, kinda... uh, uh, Wrath of Cortex is similar to Crash Three, where when you defeat a boss, you get a new power every time. Mm-hmm. And so this. This is very memed, and I didn't realize that this is where this comes from. Uh, the sneaking ability that Crash has comes from this game, where after you uh, defeat one of the masks, mm-hmm. uh, you can tiptoe everywhere, and there's almost no use for this power-up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's constantly memed. I always see this. Like I always see people using this as part of a meme. Yeah, he, he was a very uh, animated character, like he, the way his eyes moved and his style and everything, like very Sonic-y, like he had an attitude more than Mario did. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were going for, like he was more of like the impatient, the the punk, kind of the cool, the cool yeah. character, which, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. I like that. Yeah, Mario did a tiptoe thing too in Mario 64, which was also useless. It wasn't a power-up though, I think it was just... Yeah, no, but this was like really funny how he animated, how he was animated as well. He kind of did these like long kind of strides. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. But yeah. Cool. All right, let's move on then. Before we do, Mike, let me read Mm. the back of the case for Wrath of Cortex. Thank you. Victor, hit us with that jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Crash Bandicoot is back to stop Cortex for good. Everyone's favorite Bandicoot makes his Nintendo GameCube debut with his biggest adventure yet. Dr. Neo Cortex has developed a nefarious plan to unleash the destructive power of the four elements upon the planet Earth. Once again, it's up to Crash to save the day. And of course, you can connect the Game Boy Advance to download an exclusive Crash minigame, unlock secrets, and more. Hmm. Hmm. Great. Very nice. (laughs) Moving right along now to the Crash Kart games. There were two on the Nintendo GameCube. So these are direct sequels to Crash Team Racing. The first one being Crash Nitro Kart, which was released on November 11th, 2003. This game was developed by Vicarious Visions, published by Universal Interactive Studios. Also on the Game Boy Advance, Xbox, PlayStation 2. Mike, it was also on the N-Gage. Oh, thank God. Thank God. As well as mobile. The N-Gage, it didn't save the N-Gage, though. <laughs> This game rated in the sevens today, uh, priced at about 30 bucks. although I did not find too many copies on eBay. 
So it's kind of rare on eBay, at least. And then I'll just announce the other Crash Team Racing yep. game again. Yeah. And then there was also Crash Tag Team Racing, which was released on October 19th, 2005. This game was developed by Radical Entertainment, new developer, and published by Vivendi, a new publisher. <laughs> also on PS2, PSP, yep. and Xbox. This game rates as well in the sevens, and it's priced at around 20 bucks. So, okay, so I have some stuff to say. Okay. Uh, so, so I, I hate the names for the the game like for the cart games just by the way i just want to put that out there because they're mm -hmm. so confusing yep and i also hate that two cart games came out within a year or two years of each other and they were developed by different and published by different people like that's come on that's just yeah. not good yeah they were definitely trying to milk the crash cow at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah i played Nit nitro cart before thinking that it was ctr because mm -hmm. i didn't like so when i played that uh, I think I played it with you, or I played it with someone. I thought that was CTR. Uh, oh. So at first, like, I'm like, oh, CTR got remastered and, like, remade. Like, that's cool. And so I go and play it, and I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't CTR. <laughs> this is the bad one. Yeah. Yeah, the best that I've heard is that it's a good sequel to CTR, and then I've also heard as bad as least exciting racing game ever, which, yeah, yeah like, like that, that's, that's what, what you it get. is. It's really not exciting. <laughs> no, it's just a, it's a generic racing game that we're being pumped out. There were a lot of kart racing games after Mario Kart and Diddy Kong Racing and Crash Team Racing in the 90s, which were good, good games. All three of those games are great. And then the GameCube and PS2 generation was just everything got a kart racing game, and there were a few good ones, like we had Double Dash, and then we also had two crash games on gamecube there was also a shrek kart racing game there was a pod racing kart game there like everything got a kart racer <laughs> yes it did m&m's kart racer on Wii. Like, <laughs> just, it was ridiculous <laughs> i also don't like uh, i uh, one part of this game that i don't like is that there is a plot uh in this there's there's no need for a plot here no but there was a bit of a plot in crash team racing was there? Yeah, oh, it's okay. a bit like oh. it's, it's it's closer to diddy kong racing as opposed to mario kart 64 yeah. which is just pick a cup and race um, yeah, there, I, don't there, even, I, I guess there was. I, I, I guess I, it was small enough that I, I didn't even remember. Oh, it's in, it's inconsequential completely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, there's Dr. Neocortex has taken over the world or whatever, and you have to race to save the world. It's very, very generic. A bit like Diddy Kong Racing, where to save your island, you have to beat um, these, you know, five creatures or whatever at kart racing for whatever reason. Also, in Crash, Crash Nitro Kart, there's 27 characters, but only 16 of them are playable. Yeah, because of the story. So there, there's like oh. 11 characters in the game extra that you just can't play as. They're just side characters. See, that's like, see, that's 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 what I wouldn't want, right? Mm -hmm. Because don't don't show me these characters, yeah. and especially if you're a fan of the series, like, don't show me these characters and be like, oh, well, you can't play them. No. As them, obviously. You just talk to the, the little landowner or the shop owner or whatever. It's kind of like in Diddy Kong Racing with the racist elephant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I like Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, dude, Diddy Kong Racing is so good. I might play that later. I might too. <laughs> we say that a lot. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's just a... So the development of this game, the original concept involved vehicles that would sustain damage until they were reduced to just a single wheel, which I actually like that idea. I, I was going to say that. That's not in the game, though, right? No, it's not. They didn't yeah. end up doing that. That was the yeah, original that, that would concept. Be cool. That would have been yeah. awesome. And then the vehicle would be repaired by collecting special items scattered around the tracks, which I love that idea more. Almost like a Lego game or something where... Yeah, yeah. It, like yeah, like Lego Racer. Yeah. Yeah. One thing this game did do, though, was it was the first Crash game in the series to have full motion video, which, if you're into that tech stuff, um, that, that was good. Every game since then has had full motion video in it. Ah, true. Yeah. But then we also had Crash Tag Team Racing, which was released, like you said, uh, slightly less than two years later. Um, this would be the 12th Crash game in the series and the third racing game. And, and also the title here, ugh, Tag Team Racing. Not Team Racing, nope. but Tag Team Racing. Don't be confused, everybody. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the game centers around, obviously, Crash Bandicoot again. And there's another small story where uh, you have to win ownership of a dilapidated theme park by finding missing power gems before Nemesis Dr. Neocortex can... Oh boy. The one thing that I do love about this game is that um, in an interview, uh, the game was d uh, directed by Jordan Recheck and Perky Pickle Studios, which I love that name, uh, name. assisted by Chris Mitchell of Radical Games. And uh, the story was based on a hybrid of like a Walt Disneyland theme park and Scooby-Doo. Always good to hear Scooby-Doo mentioned in, in the same vein. It as, perks uh, my game. eyes. It perks my interest <laughs> whenever I hear Scooby-Doo. So it's like, okay, this game might actually be okay. So that's where the story came from. Was there's there's a whole bunch of mystery and and there's you know who who done it I guess kind of thing. So it's so, ooh uh, crash who done it. Cra that would have been a better name. Crash who done it racing. 
Yeah, honestly, like not even joking, that would be cool because then I would it would pique my interest. Exactly, and I mean this game they they tried to uh, add a little hook to it um, by adding the clashing feature, which uh, during the racing portion of the game a player can clash with another vehicle by pressing a certain button. Um, the player's vehicle will merge with a nearby opponent's vehicle, and the player can take control of a turret um, to shoot at other vehicles. It's really weird, but. I don't know what the heck that was supposed to do. Um, <laughs> you just need to make a good kart racing game with fun courses, good music, good graphics, and you're set. You don't have to really reinvent the wheel, no pun intended, nice. um, and uh, you're set to go. But yeah, like you said, they obviously sent out Crash to two different developers to create a kart racing game. Neither one of those developers were speaking to each other, apparently, during the <laughs> development, and they both came up with fairly similar games. Yeah, and because this this one as well is very kind of very not exciting as well. It's kind of repetitive. It's yeah, it feels like you're you're not really in it, you know. I know CTR was just so like zany. Yeah, and and it's it was so much fun to to play as like a because that that was the thing, right? It was very much a competitor to to Mario Kart in that sense. Yeah. Um, but th these ones these ones do not feel anywhere close to a competitor. These ones feel like a. Like, a, I need to make this game to keep the license kind of thing, like you said. Yeah, and maybe, like, when they started to make these games, like the car racing games, again, we're always theorizing, because who knows, but it's like, when Mario Kart was in, in the N64 era, maybe uh, Sony or whoever owned Crash at this point didn't know exactly what was going to become of kart racing games. Like, Mario Kart yeah. eventually became this ma mammoth game, especially with the Wii, where Mario Kart is on, like, every other Wii. Someone had it. Yeah. And it just became a console seller, where... It was in the N64 era too, but obviously they didn't, I guess, see how popular that a car racing genre was going to be until too late. And now Crash Team Racing is just, this was, they, they made a few more after this and then they made the remake, obviously, but, uh, and I don't think any of these games really sold super well anyway. Even Crash Team Racing on the PS1 was the weakest selling Crash game. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that does make sense, I guess. But also at this time, games weren't selling like they do now. No, that's true. But I, yeah, I mean, so just to go back, Crash Bandicoot 1 sold 6.8 million units, Crash Bandicoot 2 sold 5.17 million units, Crash Bandicoot 3 sold 7.1 million units, oh, okay. and then Crash Team Racing sold 2.2 million units. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so like a third of what the other ones did. Well, Neil, do you want to read the back of the cases? Sure thing. Let's start with Crash Nitro Kart. Great name. Bandicoot and bad guys, start your engines. Crash hits the track on his most... I hope that was it. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I had to swallow some. <laughs> okay. Bandicoots and bad guys start your engines. Crash hits the track in his most fast-paced adventure yet. Kidnapped by the ruthless Emperor Velo and forced to race in his galactic coliseum, Crash must race his way to victory against foes, both old and new, to save Earth from destruction. Looks amazing, says Play Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> is that really what it says yeah it just looks amazing yeah interesting yeah uh, and then we had crash tag team racing combine and conquer full throttle racing action shifts into high gear when you clash two roadsters into one locked and loaded supercar team up with your friends or shoot them down in crazy multiplayer battles more than just racing yeah that's it more that's more. The, I don't know if it's more than just racing. I think it's just racing. I'm gonna challenge them on that. <laughs> no, there's also like, like little racing. There's mini games. So. I know, yeah. But. And there's an adventure mic. Come on, it's not a game unless there's an adventure mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess let's just talk about kind of our thoughts of Crash as a franchise now, uh, in terms of of where we see it going. Sure. Uh, obviously, the new game just came out, uh, coming out. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, at the time that this goes live, yourself. Mike, it will have been out by for yeah. one day. Uh, crash. Okay, so the new, yeah. the new game is out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to get relatively good reviews. It looks pretty good. I think they've done a good job on it, and it looks like a cohesive vision. But um, in terms of, you know, the rest of, of, of kind of this IP, where do you see this going, Neil? Uh, I think that we're just about done with Crash in terms of remakes. Uh, we had the Crash Insane Trilogy, which came out in 2000 and what, 17? And then we had the uh, Crash Team Racing game come out in 2019. So that kind of covers the, the gold era of Crash. Um, I think that the fourth game, we'll see how it sells, which I think it'll sell pretty well. It's a it's a budget title, so, so that, that'll be good. Like the Ratchet & Clank budget title that came out a few years back also did very well. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's going to go the same way it did before, where it's just a complete cluster F of games coming out every other year. No. I, I think they're. I think that that generation of games is done, where you just kind of pan out your franchise to to cheap developers to make a quick buck. So yeah, I think that we're we're kind of returning to a crash that 
where the developers care about the franchise and the fans are going to get games that are good as opposed to just okay. So, yeah, I'm excited to actually pick up and try Crash Bandicoot 4 when it comes out. Um, I probably won't buy it right away just because I'm still... I still have to play the Mario remake that just came out. So I think Crash is going to have its own little niche market. It won't be as big as it was in the 90s by a long shot, but yeah, I think it's I think it's back. I think so too. I think I think it's, yeah, it's found its niche market, just like kind of Spyro as well. Yeah, Spyro just had its uh, remake as well. It came out a couple years ago or last year. So Neil, this might be a first, but are, is there any game on here that you would recommend uh, for the listeners back home? And I and uh, like I said, this is this could be a first because I'm saying that you can recommend any of the games that we've talked about so far. Sure, I'd recommend fans pick up Crash Team Racing on the PS One. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a cardinal sin from us, but uh, I gotta I gotta agree with Neil. I think CTR is the game to pick up here, uh, and I would not pick up any of these Crash games for the GameCube. I, I don't think I would either. The, none of these games really appeal to me at all as a collector. I don't think that there's anything really here. If you have if you have fond memories of playing Crash back in the day on GameCube, then by all means go for it. But as someone who's not really invested in the franchise, I'm going to say none of these games. Even if, after researching them, none of them grab me. Other than knowing that. Mark Hamill was in one, and one of the games is based loosely off of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> uh, still not enough to get me in. I would highly recommend people pick up the Crash uh, Team Racing remake on probably PS4 or Xbox or PC. The Switch version for me was very bad with load times, so just watch out for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you can find that game, I would highly recommend picking it up because it's a ton of fun, especially if you like car racers. Agreed. So, Mike, why don't you let the fans know what they can expect uh, for next week's episode? All right. Next week's episode is bringing you one of the best shooters of all time, apparently. We haven't played any of these games, but it's Time Splitters 1, 2, and the critically acclaimed Geist for the Nintendo GameCube. I've played Geist. Neil has played Geist. <laughs> but neither of, neither of I have played, uh, neither Neil or I have played the Time Splitters franchise. And nope. uh, I know that Time Splitters 2 is always brought up as one of the best shooters ever. It was developed by the same devs who made GoldenEye. Uh, and we're really excited to do some research, learn about these games. And we're going to have a friend of the show, Jason, come on. And he's going to talk about uh, the Time Splitters games. And he was the one who, who wrote us a letter, a uh, scathing letter about Sunshine, if you remember, Neil. Oh, good. I can finally talk to him. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen to see what he said so I can just talk about him, talk talk to him about that for a few minutes. Yeah, that'll be 90% of the episode. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, we're really excited for those games, and uh, we hope uh, you'll all join us for that. Thank you so much, everybody, for the support, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Can't wait to, well, can't wait for you to hear us next week. That's right. Take care. Bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.